It's good to see you guys this morning. It's good to be back with you. We uh, took a little staff retreat last weekend and uh, uh, very grateful for the time that uh, we got to have together and grateful for all the folks that uh, pitched in to kind of help us to be gone. It's the first time we've ever, all, all of our pastors at one time have been gone on a Sunday, uh, which I'm sure was a little interesting, And uh, uh, but uh, we made it through. The place didn't burn down. You guys did okay. So uh, we, uh, no, we're seriously super grateful uh, for the time we had somebody uh, kind of give us a, a place to stay uh, that they own uh, down in uh, Florida, actually uh, very close to the beach, across the street from the beach, and um, got to go down there and, and just honestly just be together and spend some time together. Normally when we do staff retreats, we, and we do usually do uh, two of those a year, um, we spend our time uh, planning and praying about you know all the things that are coming up, and we did a little bit of that. Uh, but to be honest with you, going into this one, I just I just really felt uh, pressed for us just to go and be together. Uh, many of us have been doing this together now for 17 or more years, uh, and uh, you know, especially amongst us guys, the pastors on staff, uh, we are very much brothers. We are very much very close friends. Uh, and uh, like good friends and brothers do over the course of 17 years uh, and working together, uh, sometimes we want to kill each other. Uh, and, uh, but that's not, that's not all bad. Uh, we, we work through that stuff, uh, and uh, uh, it just was good for us to just go and honestly just remember that we are friends, remember the camaraderie that we have, remember what God has blessed us with and, and having one another, and so just very super grateful for the for the time that we had together there and getting to do that, and uh, uh, we did a little fishing, uh, and uh, the uh, really the only well the one that came out on top was Dave David Rawls and uh, uh, our kids minister. And if you didn't get to see the picture, there was a picture floating around on Facebook of uh, the uh, thirty-pound drum that he drug in, and uh, and then uh, Nate and uh, Penny actually spent some time in the mornings uh, doing a little extra fishing. Uh, to try to wrangle up some trout for us to have something to actually cook and eat, and uh, we got to do that uh, the very last day right before we left. So it was it was good, but uh, yeah, good good stuff. So, but anyway, thank you, and 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 seriously, thank you. I, many of you say to me things like, you know, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for the staff. You know, please don't don't stop doing that, please. Uh, you know, ask the Lord to continue to to show us and and lead us and uh, all of those things. That is that's means more than you know. So. Uh, anyway, thank you for that. Uh, so today, uh, we're finishing this guy up, the uh, the Idol Factory series uh, that we've been going through. And uh, if, if you're just tuning into this, and we've been uh, off of it for a few weeks because of different things going on. Of course, Rusty taught last week, and I appreciate him doing that uh, for us from Pleasant View Christian. And um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's been a few weeks since we have talked about this and want to come back and, and wrap this up today uh, with a message that I, I hope uh, is meaningful to you. I hope the Lord uh, uses it in your life. I feel like I have really felt impressed. This was kind of like a back and forth. Ben taught uh, one week a few weeks ago uh, of this. And, you know, even he was asking me, he's like, you know, is this is the week I'm doing? Is it the last? Or are we going to do another? I was like, I really feel led uh, to do this, like, final week. Um, and I think it'll just be good for us as a church. I hope. I hope so. And I, and so um, that's that's what we're doing today. In fact, if you've got a Bible and you want to get it out, uh, we're going to be going uh, to the Book of Colossians here in just a little bit. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They will bring you one. Just throw your hand uh, up in the air, wave it like you just don't care, 
and they will get you one. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to take it and uh, keep it and take it with you. Uh, but uh, if you just need to borrow it, that's fine too, and you can uh, put it back on the shelf on your way out if you want. But uh, anyway, um, uh, before we get to the book of Colossians, we're going to talk about uh, just a little bit. You know, we've been talking through this series uh, called Idol Factory, and really the series in of itself is based around this book uh, by Tim Keller called Counterfeit Gods. And first time I've ever taught through a book like that, I, I'm normally terrible at teaching anybody else's things. Um, uh, you know, I'll never be the, uh, the pastor that gets caught for preaching everybody else's messages because I can't stand doing that. Uh, but uh, the way the book is written, uh, this book is written, is it is so full of, of context of Scripture uh, built around that, uh, and that's what's driving it. It's really, honestly, it's made it really kind of a little bit easier on me than normal, uh, I feel like, to get to teach, and, and a lot of even today, uh, what I'm teaching through straight from the book. So, like, you know, he, uh, Keller gets uh, full credit for that. Uh, and grateful that we can do that and share that information, but but even more grateful that that we as a people, uh, as a church, can come together and kind of identify uh, these things in our lives. And and that's a little bit of what we're doing today. Is we're doing a little bit of uh, idol identification, if you will, um, and uh, kind of kind of having an idol expedition, if you will. So kind of consider yourself Indiana Jones today, uh, and we're going to do a little abstraction too. So. Uh, there's going to be a little pain involved. There's going to be the, the excitement of the hunt. Uh, I don't know if you've, if you've gotten to hunt much. One of my favorite parts of my side business is the hunt. Uh, I can't tell you uh, how much I love just like walking into a place where I get to just see this stuff that looks like junk to everybody else and go, oh, yeah, here's the good stuff, you know, stuff that hadn't seen the light of day in a long time or whatever. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, today we're going to spend some time kind of hunting uh, you know, what are our idols? You know, because, I mean, what, what good? Let's be real honest with ourselves. What good does it do us to learn all this junk about idols and then us not spend time on ourselves going, okay, what are my idols and how can I replace them? So that's, that's in a sense, what we're doing today. And so uh, I'm going to ask some questions and that kind of thing. One of the things that, uh, that Keller talks about is, he says that Luther said, uh, Martin Luther said, uh, that we never break other commandments without breaking the first one. So why do we do this? And, 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 and you know, what, what is it about idols? What is, what is it about these things, you know, that, that cause us uh, to stumble and fall to put something else before the Lord. Why do we do this? And, you know, he says that the, uh, the easy answer might be that because we're weak and we're sinful. You know, that's just like the quick, like Sunday school answer, well, I'm, I'm a sinner, you know, and, I, you know, I can't stand on my own two feet some days, you know. And, and so, yeah, that's there. But he says more specifically, it's always about something we feel we must have in order to be happy. It's all about us always feeling that there's something we must have in order to be happy. Something that is more important to your heart than God himself. Well, those are, those are big statements for us today, you know, and, and for us to just even kind of wrap our minds around that, I mean, it's, it's cutting, you know, really. I mean, when we realize that we take things of this world, normally good things, 
you know, not necessarily always something bad. Many times it's something good, and we take it and we make it bad to us because we've made our life about it, whatever it is. And so it becomes important, really important, for us to be able to identify what these idols are in our lives and figure out how to replace them. Otherwise, we've learned uh, what we've learned here together is really all in vain. Uh, you know, and the progress that we've made, you know, in, in growing closer to the Lord is just going to go backwards if we continue to fall back to these idols and these things that we love so much. God has given us an opportunity for us to follow Him, for us to seek Him, and for us to grow closer to Him. And as we grow closer to Him, something, something funny happens. Our hearts begin to change. You ever, you ever and I've, I've used this illustration before, but have you ever hung out with somebody that's like so passionate about something, and it's like the most off-the-wall thing that you, ever, you could have ever imagined, you know? And, but, but because you're with them, and they're so passionate about it, and maybe, maybe it's like I say, a collector, you know, that collects like the most random thing. I recently got to go uh, to the house and, and to the shop, of, uh, of a friend who passed, and his wife called me uh, after his passing and said, will you come over and kind of maybe help me uh, sell some of these things or whatever? And he's a hot rod guy, and he had all kinds of stuff. And he was real into oil cans, which I, that's kind of a normal thing, you know, with hot rod guys or whatever. They love old oil cans. Well, this guy, like, had plastered every wall in the shop with oil cans. But then one step further, you went in to his little side garage, and he had these smaller shelves and on the smaller shelves, he had the little three-in-one oil cans, like the, the, little, the little square skinny ones, you know, that we used to see like back in the day. You know, you don't see a whole lot of them. But again, just shelves and shelves just full of these things. And I'm just looking at it and I'm going, what a random thing to collect, you know? But usually when you are with somebody that collects one of these random things, they're just, I mean, they're just, blah, 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 they're just talking about it and telling you all about it. And that's, that one's really rare and that one's hard to find. And this is worth a lot of money and this one ain't worth nothing. And I love that one because the picture on it and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you find yourself, like, beginning to, like, go, hmm, maybe I ought to collect three-in-one oil cans, you know? And so, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, we're like, our hearts are like magnets, to stuff like that. When we, when we see someone passionate about something, we too begun, we, be, we begin to become passionate ourselves. Questions on how to identify our idols. And I, I hope, hope this isn't too painful, painful for you today. Uh, and I think, you know, probably if you're like me, as I've talked through the series, when I think when I started into the series, I thought, you know, there's going to be a thing, you know, or two maybe to come up you know, you know, as far as like what might be an idol in my life or whatever. And just to be honest with you, like every week I've taught through this series, I've been like, there's another one. Oh, yep, there's another one, you know, and it's just like nonstop, you know. And, uh, and, and that's just, you know, as we spend time with the Lord, we spend time in the scriptures, he just shows us more and more about who we are and what we love and all those things. So let, let's, talk, let's talk through some of those questions real quick. Uh, first question is, uh, you know, if you're wanting to know, you know, what are the idols in my life? Here's, here's the first question to ask yourself. What do you enjoy daydreaming about? 
Now you and you may uh, let me throw this at let me throw this at you. I want to have you a piece of paper for you to take notes or whatever. Of course, you can do that on the worship guide if you want to. Uh, but uh, you know, if you want to take notes on your phone, so you can go back and pray over this. You know, I'm giving you permission to get out your phone, and you're probably going to play solitaire or whatever on it. Uh, but if you want to take some notes, of course, you can come back to the questions themselves. You can re-listen uh, on the podcast or on Facebook or whatever YouTube. Uh, but um, this this. I hope this is helpful. That's the whole point here is not just for me to just throw some questions at you. Uh, but the first question, what do you enjoy daydreaming about? What do you enjoy daydreaming about? What occupies your mind when you have nothing else to think about? What occupies your mind when you have nothing else to think about? Do you develop potential scenarios in, about career advancement. You develop potential scenarios about career advancement. By the way, again, these things are not bad things, okay? We can make them bad things, okay? What about uh, a material good, such as a dream home, a car, something along those lines, your oil can? What about relationships? What about a relationship with a particular person? One or two daydreams is not an indication of idolatry. Ask rather, what do you habitually think about to get joy and comfort in in the privacy of your heart? So if you go back to it over and over and over all the time and it becomes like, the thing that's all you think about, it's all you, you know, it, can, it consumes your thought process. That's a good indication that that thing is an idol. Again, most of the time, those things in of themselves are not bad things, but we have put those things in place of Jesus. And we've made them the thing that we're looking to, to find solace and to find happiness, peace, whatever it is. And so we're, we're going to that over and over, and of course that's going to fail us, that never works out. Another test is this, where do you spend your money? You're like, oh, now he's done going to meddling. Scripture teaches us, Matthew 6.21, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your money flows most effortlessly toward your heart's greatest love. Let me say that again. Your money flows most effortlessly toward your heart's greatest love. In fact, the mark of an idol is that you spend too much money on it and you must try to exercise self-control constantly about it. As Paul has written, if God and His grace, out of 2 Corinthians 8, 7-9, through 9, if you want to check it out later, if God and His grace is the thing in the world that you love the most, then our money would be given to ministry, to charity, to the poor, in astonishing amounts. We would, we would give from our hearts of God just saying, hey, here's a need. As believers... A question for us is how do we feel when we pray and seek God for something and we don't get it? This is a, this is a big question. 
This is a big question. The money question is a big question. The, the, you know, what are your thought processes is a big question. But this is a big question, I think, because I believe that we as believers oftentimes are really good at playing games with ourselves when it comes to our faith. And, and what I mean by that is, is that we say and we do things that on the outside look like someone who loves Jesus and is seeking Him and in the truth of it all, when it really comes down to the things that we're doing for Jesus, a lot of times we're doing them to be seen doing them, to make ourselves feel better about doing them. At some point, we're, we, we do that stuff for ourselves instead of doing it for Him that stuff should happen out of a heart that has been changed by Jesus and it is worship from us that we do those things. And, and listen, you may be sitting here right now and you may be going, oh my gosh, he just pegged me. Like that's, that's me. Like I'm struggling with that. I know good and well that I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm doing ministry. I'm doing this. You know, even, even when I talked to somebody the other day about, about you know, joining me at church or you know, whatever, I mean really it was all about just making myself feel better. And that's a, that's a natural thing for us to struggle with. And it's a natural thing for us to fall into where we started out, you know, with the right heart. We started out like, you know, go God. I, I can't wait to serve Jesus. And I'm going to get in there and I'm going to let God use me. And He's going to be first in my life and all this stuff. And, and, and somewhere in there you did that. But then along the way you realize, well, now, I, you know, I'm real busy and so I'm doing that stuff because I said I would. And I don't want people to think bad of me. Plus, I don't want God to think bad of me. And, and let me just tell you, that's bad theology. It's bad theology for us to serve the Lord based upon, or, or even pray and, and repent or anything, based upon, like, I don't want God to get me theology. That's bad theology. That's called legalism. Okay? And we love to kick legalism in the face around here. Okay? Like that's one of my favorite things to do. Is, is, is for us to see clearly that this is about us being in love with Jesus. He should be our idol. And see, that's the difference. It's like we make these other things the loves of our lives. And we leave Jesus behind. We didn't mean to. It's just what happened. And as believers, and I'll read this again, a question for us is how do we feel when we pray and seek God for something and we don't get it? So if you pray and you ask God for something and then, you know, you get the Garth Brooks song, you know what it is, right? Sometimes I thank God for... See, I mean, you know. Thank you, Garth, for that song. You know, I, but, but seriously, like, you know, we, we, like, things don't go our way, and we're like, man, I've been praying, and I've been praying, and I've been praying, I've been faithful to praying to God about that. Why have you been faithful to praying to God about it? Is it because you really wanted it? Is that, is that what it's about? Is it about what you want? Oh, come here, little thing. Get on, get on up here and sit on Santa Claus's lap. What? It's not about what we want. 
The last time I checked, the Lord's Prayer said what? His will be done. Your will be done. Not, not my will. Not your will. His will. You see, He's got a plan. He knows what's best for us. He created us. And he's, like, he's not like, you know, oh, you can't enjoy the shiny thing. No, he wants us to enjoy the shiny things. But he realizes that we can't enjoy the shiny things too much because we put them in front of him. And then we love them more than we love him. And then our hearts don't look like his. you pray and you don't get what you're asking for you got to ask yourself why am I upset why am I angry are we going to get mad like Job remember Job we just talked about Job here a few weeks ago and the vine came and the next day he was crying like a baby you know and that's us we go oh Job's such a baby we're a bunch of babies what are you talking about we're a bunch of sinner babies. And, and the truth is, is it's, it's just this reminder for us. It's not to beat ourselves up. It's this reminder for us. We need Jesus. Like we need Jesus today as much as the day that he saved us. Okay? Like we get that. Like we can't just like, oh, I'm saved now. Well, I'll just go about doing whatever I want to in my life. It's going to work out good be a train wreck is what you're going to have. We all know it. We need Jesus. We need to spend time with Him. We need our hearts to look like His. Our faith can't be about what we want. It needs to be about what God wants for us. And that happens when we spend time with the Lord. Lastly, another question. What's your idol? What makes you emotional? What makes you emotional? Now, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about just like, you know, a little bit of emotion. I'm talking about what makes you just have uncontrollable emotions. Some of you, if we rode with you in the car by Trinity Lane... we would find some of these uncontrollable emotions, right? If you're angry, ask this. Is there something here too important to me? Something I must have at all costs? If we did that with the same, if we did the same with strong fear or despair or guilt, I think we would come up with some interesting answers. Ask yourself, am I scared because something in my life is being threatened that I think is a necessity when it is not? Are there things in your life that when those things begin to be threatened in some way, you start to kind of lose it just a little bit? Am I down on myself because I have lost or failed at something that I think is a necessity when it is not? If you are overworking, driving yourself into the ground with frantic activity, ask yourself, do I feel that I must have this thing to be fulfilled and significant? 
Well, nobody really wants to ask that question. Because a lot of us are struggling with it. We feel like we've got to stay ahead. We feel like we've got to make sure we don't go back to where we were once upon a time. Right? And it's so important. We've got to get out there like we, we literally just can't even spend time with our family because we just got to work all the time. I'm guilty. When you ask questions like that, when you pull your emotions up by the roots, as it were, you will often find your idols clinging to them. Sometimes that idol looks like being comfortable, being safe, you know. We'll work ourselves to death just so that we feel like, you know, we don't have to worry about the future. You, we realize we're not in charge, right? I think we forget. I think we forget. There's a passage here, quote, that I want to read to you out of the book from a guy named David Palson. It says, The most basic question which God poses to each human heart has something or someone besides Jesus the Christ taken title to your heart's functional trust, preoccupation, loyalty, service, fear, and delight. Questions, like the questions we've just been asking. Bring some of people's idol systems to the surface. To who or what do we think, do we look for life-sustaining stability? Security, security, there's a word, and acceptance. What do you really want and expect out of life? What would really make you happy? What would make you an acceptable person? Where do you look for power and success? These questions or similar ones tease out whether we serve God or idols, whether we look for salvation from Christ or from false saviors. Big questions. Paul in the book of Colossians in chapter 3 hits this like straight head on. And he says this in verse 1. It says, Then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. How do we replace our idols? How do we kill those things? How do we get rid of them? Again, because if we just learned a whole lot about idols, well, then that's great. But what good is it to us at the end of the day if we don't figure out how to overcome them? We have to go back to the gospel. We have to go back to the gospel. It's the only thing that kills idols. 
literally the only thing that kills idols. Because we can work real hard. You know, we can work real hard at something. Oh, you know, I was convicted about that, so I'm going to really try to quit doing that. I'm going to really try to stop thinking about that, or, you know, whatever it may be. And at the end of the day, if our idols are still there, we will go back to them. So how do we get rid of them? Well, I think, I think that really the, the question is how do we replace them? And we replace them by our worship. Let me say that again. We replace them by our worship. You're like, what? By our worship. Think about it. Think about the moments. If you're a believer here today, you can attest to this. If you're not a believer, you probably won't understand this. And I hope and pray that, that you're hearing the gospel through this message today and that God would, would help you to see uh, him into the family of God so that you too could experience this. But if you're a believer, you've experienced some point in time where when you were close to the Lord, even if it was in a moment of singing a song, reading a scripture, in prayer, whatever it may be, that when you were in worship of Jesus suddenly everything in the world was leveled as, a, as an equal playing field. I mean just everything. All the problems in your life, everything you're struggling with, everything you're dealing with, uh, all the job issues, relationship issues, I mean, you name it. In that moment, you're reminded you're no longer in charge, and God is. And that Jesus came with power and grace. And he saved you. And he made you new. And he gave you a new life, which Paul is talking about here. He said, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've been given a new life in Jesus. Quit tapping into the old one. Stop it. Stop it. And if you're like me... You wish that you kind of wish that Jesus would like walk around with you some days and just like smack you in the back of the head. Be like, oh, come on, Jesus, come on, you know? Like, really? You know, but I mean, it's kind of what we feel like we need, you know? But the truth is, is what we need is we need to spend time with Jesus. And when we spend time with Jesus, it's much like spending time with the oil can collector. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, oil cans are really cool. You know, I could see my whole house decorated in oil cans. This could work, you know. We spend time with Jesus, our hearts start to look like His. It's an amazing thing that happens. And suddenly, the anxiety and the depression and the anger and all that stuff just starts rolling off of us. Is it still there? Yeah, probably. Is it as bad? No, it's not. And for moments in time, we have complete freedom in Him. And the truth is, is that in Him, we have been made free from all sin for the rest of our lives. Satan doesn't want us to believe that. He wants us to believe that we will always fall into that same sin over and over and over, and we are a slave to it, and we are no longer slaves to our sin. Will we still sin? Sure we will. We'll still make mistakes, but God's grace is as good for us tomorrow as it was yesterday. Praise God for that. Our worship, our time with God, our prayer, being in His Word, we will find that Jesus is more beautiful than any idol that we ever came up with in this life. Our hearts have to 
believe it. Our hearts have to believe it. I'm not going to believe it just going to church once a week and all that kind of stuff. Listen, don't fall into that. Don't fall into the American Christianity. Fall into the Christianity where you just become a follower of Jesus. See, people follow these influencers <laughs> on Facebook or YouTube or whatever it is, you know, and people are just like, I, I, they can tell you anything that they've ever said. What would it look like for us to be a people that could tell someone else anything that Jesus ever said? If we fail to uproot the idols and replace it with our love for Christ, the idol will grow back. It will grow back. I talked at the very beginning of this series about many years ago, me really struggling, having a really hard time and just being super, I was super emotional that day, I'll never forget. And I was literally just right out there in the foyer where I used to work uh, on the couch a lot. And uh, man, I was having a moment. And, and all I could see was we, we don't know how we're going to pay our bills and, and, all, and all these things. And, and we've, all, we've all been there. We've all had these moments. And I, I just, I just, and somebody asked me, my dad, he called me, and he just asked me how I was doing. It was the wrong moment to ask me how I was doing because on that day I was actually going to tell somebody. And I started telling him, and it turned into the weep fest of the century. And I was heaving, and I was crying, and I was a, I was a mess. And really what it came down to was that what was hanging on to the root of all that emotion and all that stuff was I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure. I wasn't a failure, but I felt like one. And Satan loves for us to believe that stuff. He wants you to believe that stuff. He wants you to feel like you're a failure. He wants you to feel like you're a terrible person. You're a terrible spouse. You're a terrible parent. You're a terrible child. Whatever it is. He wants you to feel like you're terrible at it. Why? Because he wants you to give up. He does not want you producing fruit for the kingdom of God. He hates that. He comes against that. That's what he's out fighting today. That's the spiritual warfare that we've got going on. No wonder, no wonder that so, so much of what we're dealing with in society right now stems around mental illness and all those things. And those things are real. You know? But I think that the root of a lot of it is that. The other thing that we can do is that we're called to repentance. And I just wanted to read again another excerpt from the book here, Tim Keller. It says, rejoicing, that's going back to our worship, you know, that we would, uh, you know, be rejoicing, rejoicing, appreciating, resting in Jesus, if you will. Uh, that's, our, that's our worship, you know, spending time with him. Our hearts change to look like his when we spend time with him. He says here, rejoicing and repentance must go together. Repentance without rejoicing will lead to despair. This is, this is great. This is super good, by the way. That's why I'm reading. Rejoicing without repentance is shallow. Let me say that again. Re rejoicing without repentance is shallow and will only provide passing inspiration instead of deep change. Indeed, it is when we rejoice over Jesus' sacrificial love for us most fully that paradoxically we are most truly convicted of our sin. When we repent out of fear of consequences, and I talked about this earlier, 
we are not really sorry for the sin, but for ourselves. Fear-based repentance, I'd better change or God will get me, is really self-pity. In fear-based repentance, we don't learn to hate the sin for itself, and it doesn't lose its attractive power. We learn only to refrain from it for our own sake. But when we rejoice over God's sacrificial, suffering love for us, seeing what it cost Him to save us from sin, we learn to hate the sin for what it is. We see what the sin cost God. What most assures us of God's unconditional love, Jesus' costly death, is what most convicts us of, e- of the evil of sin. Fear-based repentance makes us hate ourselves. Joy-based repentance makes us hate the sin. read that because I felt like, man, that, that's so much us. So much of the time and how we're approaching this with the Lord. Spiritual disciplines, our worship, our prayer, meditating on God's Word, singing, all these things, you know what, you know what they bring us? Peace. They bring us peace. The peace of God is the only thing that will replace these idols of ours. And the peace Jesus gives only comes through our worship. Us spending time seeking Him. Our hearts operate like magnets. Our hearts operate like magnets. We become drawn to things. I think sometimes about how crazy it is that God created planets that they might have moons or other things that orbit, orbit them, always circling. The earth has a moon that's always circling it due to magnetism. How crazy is that? And my heart operates in the same way, making idols out of things in our culture, things I see that I think, oh, that would be nice to have one of those. Not a bad thought. But when we turn it into something that consumes our thoughts, then it becomes bad. Galatians 6.8 says this, For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap, will, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, reap. Will, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is a cross. Magnets are a funny thing. I find that when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time playing with magnets, you know, are fun because, you know, they click on each other and click on other things, and I'd go around the house like most kids and have magnets off the fridge, and my mom would constantly be looking for the magnets off the fridge, and I'd stuck them in everything but the fridge, you know. And I think for us today to understand that our hearts are like these little things right here, these little magnets, and our hearts can be drawn to all kinds of things, including other people or a thing, or a job, the idea of something. Maybe it's a material thing. But we become like the moon to the earth, drawn to it, magnetized to it. We, we don't want to let it go. 
And at some point along the way, for us to sacrifice the idols in our lives and replace them with the Lord, we have to spend time with Him and allow Him to do the change in us that is necessary. And as we do that, our heart begins to stick to Him. And our heart looks more like His heart all the time. Drawn to Him. Realizing we need Him. And this morning, we have more magnets. And I'm going to invite you that throughout the rest of the service, at your own leisure, or after the service, or next week, we'll still have this thing hanging around, that you can come and you can get a magnet. And maybe you want that magnet to symbolize and be significant in some way in your life of saying, Lord, today I realize I need to not only identify these idols in my life, but I want you to uproot them and I want you to replace them with you with your grace, with your power, you are the only deserving idol in my life. What God has done for us, we don't deserve. But He loves us. And He cares for us. And this is why He doesn't want us to fall into the worship of other things, but to draw close to Him and worship Jesus Himself. And when my heart, when Chris's heart attaches to Jesus, it releases the other things in this world that seem so important. And many of those things that are important and are things I'm called to love, like my own family and my children and things like that, that we can still make idols out of, which that turns bad, it it all becomes even. God helps me to see what it looks like for me to be a godly husband, to be a godly dad, to be a good pastor, whatever it is, that He leads me in those things. Instead of doing it my way, He shows me what His are. And today I'm asking God to once again remove those things in my life and replace them with His love and His peace. That's what I need. I need my heart to be magnetized to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, thank You for Your Word and the reminder that it gives us, Lord, of who You are. God, I pray that this morning, as You've been speaking to our hearts, God, I pray that we would be faithful, Lord, of what it looks like to follow you, but Lord, I pray that we would allow you to uproot these things in our hearts that we need to not just be rid of, but God, we need to see, we need to see what they are. We need to see, Lord, the things that are corrupting us and keeping us from growing closer to you. God, help us replace those things in us. May we trust in you fully with everything we've got. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do that work in our hearts. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for always putting up with the fact that we, we walk away from you, we run away from you, we get drawn to other things, and at the end of the day, you, you continually draw us back and you still love us. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for us on a cross. Thank you for bringing us in to your family. God, 
Help us to be those that You have called us to be in this world, magnetized to You. God, use us in the moments to come, in the days to come, in the weeks to come, to be light that other people that don't know You would know who You are because we are a part of their lives. Over these holidays, even, Lord, use us. Draw others to You through us because of our love for You, our care for You, and what You've done in our lives. Lord, we ask all this today in Your Son's name. Amen.